0: The Tumbler's Willy Podcast, Episode 5 Voice of a Generation, The Turpington Tapes, Part 1.
1: Welcome back. I'm Andy Bobro, American television writer.
0: I'm Andy Stanton, British children's author.
1: And we are here doing our favorite thing, which is discussing Britain's longest running television program, Tumbler's Willie.
0: Yep, just kicking back and talking a little Tumblers with you tumbleheads out there. Mm, talking Tumblers. Talking Tumblers. And boy, we've got a lot of Tumblers to talk this episode, Andy. Oh, do
1: we ever. Do we ever?
0: Uh, We've come to, uh, for me, what is not only one of the most exciting decades for the show, uh, but to one of the most exciting decades probably of the last few years. uh. Yeah,
1: yeah. The roaring 60s.
0: The roaring 60s. What a time to be alive. I was not alive, but what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. And, uh, you know, there have been so few books written about the 1960s and their impact on popular culture. Yeah, yeah, we know so little about that era. Right, where they say that we know more about outer space than we do about the deepest depths of the 1960s. Yeah, they, they call it the unexplored decade. They call it the decade with no name. The decade with no name. Yeah, I've heard it called that. The Forgotten Decade. The Forgotten Decade. But uh, if, if one thinks in terms of touchstones for that time, uh, if one were to try to piece together mm. through the, the kind of void of information that does not exist, if we attempt to string something together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Shadows, shadows on the cave wall as it were. Mm,
0: mm. Uh, What what sort of images have endured, do we think? Uh, One thinks of Vietnam protesters spreading margarine on the helmets of American army officers. Uh,
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, People with legs. People with legs. You you saw so many people with Mm. legs in the 1960s.
0: Right, right. I mean, it was a big time for fashion, of course. Uh,
1: Wonderful fashions.
0: Yep. Everyone was
1: wearing fashions fashions yeah they were in fashions were in big time yeah it's sometimes called the fashions decade
0: it sometimes is uh,
1: monkeys uh, uh-huh. a monkey dangling from every shop front it sometimes felt like
0: yeah a yak there were yaks uh, it was the decade of the animals it's sometimes known as carpets too yeah carpets yeah. carpets
1: were everywhere a- everyone was into carpets
0: yeah they sometimes call it the decade of the carpets
1: yes the decade of the carpets yeah. the buffalo on the loose decade
0: yeah So this is very much the backdrop against which Tumblr's Willy now has to survive in this decade of a brave new world, as it's sometimes known.
1: Exactly, because this once groundbreaking show has by now really become part of the establishment.
0: Right. And I think that's the problem because, you know, the 1960s were really all about questioning that establishment. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of the youth back then, they would just stand outside establishments and, you know, simply shout questions at them. Just shout questions. Yeah, yeah. They'd say, what is this? Yeah. What are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you this? Why are you this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Why are you not that? Why, why, Why are you what you are? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then just, you know, just standing outside these institutions how yeah how why Wh- <laughs> who what which which is it which is it to be they'd cry and you yeah know, yeah all of a sudden these establishments were quaking there was a new kid on the block and that new kid on the block was teenagers yes you know, you know, teenagers are essentially a 20th century construct. Uh, back in Victorian days, mm-hmm. you would have a child. Uh, then the child would, uh, from about the age of 12 or 13, uh, would simply form a chrysalis, a, a pod-type structure, uh, such as you might the have chrysalis. seen yeah. in the film Gremlins. And then some years later, emerge as a fully grown 45-year-old man or woman yeah, yeah, with a yeah, good yeah. job. Right, and who wouldn't talk back. Exactly. But uh, now a new consciousness was burgeoning. So we see these youths congregating outside buildings, edifices.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just standing there questioning everything. And, and this was a real sea
0: change. L- let me tell you, these institutions were on shaky ground. Right. And none on ground so shaky as that grand old institution, Tumblr's Willie, which, uh, well. Well, it was out of touch, to say the least. Uh, it had very much become your dad's show. Mm. It,
1: it was a show that, you know... You would walk past your dad on, the, on your way to yelling at a building and he would be in the living room sitting in an armchair.
0: Right. Or sometimes whole groups of dads just out on the street slouching around on an old sofa, uh, watching the show with their tired baggy eyes relics of a bygone era you know
1: oh I remember I, they had these promotional posters that were like C- come get your dad you know, they were all over Britain
0: come get your old man tumblers is starting yeah yes and, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah you know fantastic promotional campaign but I think in the long run it did the show no favors the program was clearly losing its way uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know it very quickly slipped another notch as these things do it very quickly went from being your dad's show uh, to being your granddad's show yes Yes, right, right. And, uh, you know, not a year after that, it was your great-grandfather's show. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was aging rapidly. Exactly, until by 1965. And this is shocking, but uh, the average age of the Tumblr's Willie Viewer was 170 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 170.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they tried to, I mean, they tried to cater to this audience, you know, and just play, like, very slow like very very monotone just like sounds of chewing
0: soothing chewing sounds that's right
1: right 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 it was very soothing for them yeah mm-hmm. there were several episodes that were just like you can move your bowels if you think
0: about it <laughs> you just need to focus you know yeah i mean g- good episodes though i think oh they hold up yeah yeah but you know clearly very establishment kids would hear these monologues and just be like uh,
1: yeah yeah just just start bellowing questions at the tv
0: yeah So how does Tumblr's Willy survive? How does it adapt to face the challenges thrown up by this decade of 1001 Arabian Nights, as it's sometimes known? Well, this is where the BBC decides to step in and see if they can't turn this thing around. And in May 1967, they host this meeting, this now famous summit. An emergency
1: powwow. Yeah, like uh, how can we get with the times kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. And and they're scratching their heads. You know, uh, (laughs) I look around me. I see all these Mm, mm. fashions everywhere. I see
0: legs. I see carpets. I see. uh, There's uh, a a yak hovering outside the doorway. uh, Monkeys. uh, Yeah. Yeah, Monkeys. I see monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. And so where
1: is that in our show? Where are our carpets? Where are our monkeys, so to speak?
0: Right, right. So, uh, you know, that meeting was a real pivotal moment, I think. And it's gone down in television history as the Nightingale Summit because uh,
1: Nightingale Summit. because
0: yep. uh, from the outside of the discussion, they were stuck. They were at an impasse. And yeah, uh, yeah. I'm afraid to say, Andy, it very quickly started to turn violent. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, The BBC executives, the old guard of tumblers at each other's throats. Uh, Mm -hmm. But but really, I mean, literally trying to strangle each other, tie each other up in electrical flex. uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah. Lots of biting. Teeth sunk deep into groins. Right, right. And, you know, then at the moment of greatest crisis. A curtain of blood. uh, Suddenly there comes this one moment that changes everything. Lymphatic fluid leaking. It's just this little sound, this little sound coming from outside the window. Mm. But it Mm -hmm. cuts through everything. Everybody freezes. There's 40, 50 people in the room and they all just, you know, as one, they turn to look outside. Yeah. And there's a little nightingale sitting on the windowsill. Just, Just a nightingale. Yep. And it was just looking at them and just...
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It broke the tension. You know, mm. uh, people were in the middle of almost killing each other. and
0: Right, right. But then this innocent little fellow, there it is, flapping its wings.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and just really take a moment to picture it. It's a beautiful tableau. You know, all these jaded execs and producers just. Uh, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Their swords exchanged for plowshares, if, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Famously, all BBC execs used to carry swords at all times. Mm. They still do, uh,
0: just as a nod to the old ways. Right, right. It's largely ceremonial these days. But uh, yeah, these uh, battling bigwigs are all enmity, suddenly forgotten and just... And, you know, entranced. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a 100% definite message from God, but it was about as clear as it's ever been since, uh, you know, I would say Moses. Yes, I would say that. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, what was this creature telling them to do? I think it was telling them uh, because the nightingale has obviously long been a symbol in most cultures of, you know, bringing in a new director.
1: Yeah, well, they misinterpreted it at first. Uh, Yeah, some of them thought that it meant we should order lunch.
0: Well, yeah, that's right. Um, But then James Rutley, uh, the then head of programming, very fortunately, uh, this was very rare, but he had been educated at Oxford. So, uh, Mm. you know, one of the very few Oxbridge men at the BBC.
1: Yeah, one of the few who knew
0: anything at the BBC, in fact. Absolutely, absolutely. He said, uh, hang on, I'm well-versed in world mythology, chaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, this nightingale is a fairly blatant dictate from God. Exactly. He knew his stuff. The, uh, we need to rehire. We need to find somebody who is now, he said. Uh, we need someone who's fresh. We need someone who has their finger on the pulse in a way that we can't.
1: Yeah, on the pulse. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, our finger has become stale and defunct, he said.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: In a word, said he, we need new blood. Right.
1: I should say he also, he, he did actually need a lot of new blood as he was saying that. And he
0: did. He did because of all the earlier fighting. He he was in desperate shape.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, he, he, he bled out. Mm. Uh, I mean, that was the last thing he ever said, which is so tragic because had he only said, and I also need new actual blood, they could have done something.
0: Well, they only heard what they wanted to hear, unfortunately, which is... Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Well, great for the show. Uh, not so great for Rutley.
0: Not so great for Rutley, I'm afraid. So it's come at quite a cost in terms of human life. But finally, after all the gore and screaming, they have a plan. They need a new director.
1: Right, right, right. So they go straight to the Times of London. Yep. Yep. And they place an ad. They put out an ad that's looking for.
0: And it was uh, very cryptic. Yes. It was very yeah. cryptic, the ad they put out, because they decided that if they were going to get somebody who was genuinely attuned to this new movement of a sort of a mysticism or what we would now call a power flower, mm-hmm. uh, then mm-hmm. they needed somebody who understood, you know, the buzzwords, uh, the lingo franca of the times. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just they needed someone who gets it.
0: Exactly. So uh, they put this very mysterious advert in the Times. uh, Yeah. Yeah. A a full page. Yeah. And it was uh, just a small drawing Mm -hmm. of a flan. Yes. In one corner. Yeah. Just a tiny. Yeah. And and that that's all there was. And uh, England went crazy. England went insane. It was uh,
1: Uh, first of all, everyone got
0: it. Yeah, it didn't. It actually didn't separate anyone out. No, it, uh,
1: it did not separate anybody out. I mean, out. It,
0: it, it was too general. It
1: was way too general. I mean, everyone
0: problem. instantly understood that Tumblr's was looking for a new director and yeah, the hotlines yeah. were overloaded. Uh, Literally
1: everybody in the country applied for that job.
0: Right, right. So, you know, they regrouped. Uh, they went back to the Times of London. Uh-huh. Uh, they said, uh, can we run a new advert, please? And, yeah. you know, to which the Times rightly responded, well, yeah, if you'd like to pay for a new advertisement, then, you yeah. know, you're very welcome yeah. to. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they yeah. run the new advert. And this is exciting to me. They simply moved the picture of the flan from the top left corner of the page to the top right. Yeah. And that was the key. Almost no one got it this time
1: around. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real acid test. It mm. sorted the wheat from
0: the chaff. Right. Only four men and one woman applied for the job. And a monkey. Yeah, and a carpet. Right, right. Now, it was when the monkey and the carpet turned up that the show's producers knew they were onto something. The advert had reached the right ears. They had successfully appealed to the movers and shakers of this new generation. Mm -hmm. These were the people, or monkeys, or soft furnishings that they wanted in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although the carpet did not do well at interview.
0: Well, no, it it just laid the...
1: I think it was it, it was untenable, really, that a carpet mm. should helm a show as successful as Tumblr's. It was.
0: Uh, in fact, it was stupid. It, it was just stupid. It
1: was. Yeah, it, it, it was stupid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was arrogant, I think, for the carpets owner even to bring it in for interview in the first place. Though. Right,
1: right, right. It was it was frustrating. Yeah,
0: it was infuriating. Uh, the monkey did very well, though. Uh, he very was, well. Uh, yes, he was one of the more successful candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: He made it into the, uh, the the third or fourth round, mm. I believe.
0: Yeah, he was going great guns, and then, uh, well, at the last hurdle, he stumbled, and he, well, he yeah, uh yeah. he started defecating onto the guy's desk, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he rather blew it. One should say he did. He did. Yeah. Mm. And the
1: interviewer, uh, Peter Farmingham, uh, Peter Farmingham looked at the, at the pile of poop. Mm-hmm. There was a moment where he looked at this pile of monkey excrement on his desk. And he he famously said, we made eye contact, the beast and I. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, I, I saw him deciding whether to pick it up and throw it. Right. And in my mind, I thought, are you going to do the typical thing that monkeys do right now? And, and see, the monkey was just fighting it, but he, right, he right. did. He, did. He, he, just, he was pondering, I think. Yeah, yeah. but he, the monkey was like, I can't. I can't not do
0: this. Well, he couldn't overcome his natural urge uh, to to fling this stuff. But, you know, look, Farmingham has always maintained that it wasn't simply that the monkey pooped or even that he flung the poop. It was the way he flung it.
1: Yes, it was his attitude. It was Mm. the manner in which the poop was flung.
0: Exactly. And of course, he then went on to write a book of that very name, The Manner in Which the Poop Was Flung, which has become a classic of… Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, of, of management training manuals.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, Absolutely. yeah, And I'd recommend it to anyone. I mean, even if you're not running a Fortune 500 company… Sure. I mean, …read The Manner in Which the Poop Was Flung. Oh, there's a lot of life lessons in there. Uh, life lessons.
0: Uh, a, 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 alongside The Art of the Deal, Who Moved My Cheese, yeah. Uh, the Manner in Which the Poop Was Flung.
1: Yeah, those are probably the big three.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it's been a long and trying morning at BBC Broadcasting House, but just as the show's producers are starting to give up all hope of ever finding their guy, the door swings open one final time and in waltzes this dynamic young Turk. He was strikingly handsome, he was dashing, he was charming, he literally waltzed through life. Absolutely, he waltzed everywhere. He was, in short, Nate Turpington. Nate Turpington, wow. Wow oh, my God, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can
1: feel for Tumblr's fans, I mean, that name. I mean, you've probably all got goosebumps listening right, right now because that was the moment, I mean...
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's destiny, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) here was the answer to all their prayers. Here was the guy who ticked every single one of the boxes. Right, Uh,
1: right. Here is the guy the Nightingale had been getting at all along.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, Turpington understood the new generation's distrust of the establishment perfectly, uh, probably because he himself was a product of that very system. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, He had grown up in the home counties. He was what we would today call privileged, I suppose. Mm, Uh, mm. His father was an archduke. Yeah. Uh, His mother was... um, His mother was also an archduke. That's correct. And look, he'd had every advantage that one could dream of growing up. Uh, They had a garden, which was not at all common in Britain at that time. No, no, no one had ever seen such a thing. They had a house... They had a house? Uh, They
1: had wooden furniture, which was brand new at the time. Prior to the 1940s, I think furniture had been mostly stone.
0: That's right. Uh, He'd graduated from the best school. uh, Yeah, yeah. uh, Founded by Sir Richard Best.
1: Yeah, by no means the best school in the country, but respectable enough. So
0: he had the right pedigree. He looked good on paper, but it was more than that. He had a flair. Yes, yes. And didn't the ladies know it? <laughs> oh, he was a notorious womanizer, Andy, let's face it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He was,
1: in the original meaning of the term, a womanizer, he he would literally turn men into women.
0: Indeed, indeed. So uh, anyway, in waltzes this character.
1: In he waltzes through the hallowed portals of BBC Television Centre. Nate? Turpington with his womanizing and his signature enormous collars.
0: Yep, 24 feet across. Uh, That was his minimum requirement. He said, an inch less and I'll take it off the tailor's scalp.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And look, he absolutely aces the interview.
0: Oh, blows them out of the water. uh,
1: Passes with flying colours.
0: Yeah, or with flying brown colours, you might say, because uh, (laughs) (laughs) let's face it, Andy, Nate Turpington was not above a little poop-throwing of his own. You know, he he walks in, he sits down and, you know, really before they've even uttered, what do you think your biggest failing is uh, he's pooped into his own hand as if he were a monkey.
1: Yeah, yes, yes.
0: And uh, absolutely launched a warm load straight for Farmingham. But, uh, you know, he he threw it in an entirely different manner to the previous candidate, to the monkey, you know.
1: Yes, yes. And that was the key. Mm. As Farmingham would later make clear in his second book, How to Throw Your Poop the Right Way and Get That Job, uh, he said, until I met Turpington, I didn't realize that there was a way to throw poop which would excite me.
0: Right, until Turpington.
1: Yeah, with such bravado and such confidence. Yeah, with gusto. Yeah, with such gusto. And it was like, yeah, the
0: world opened up. Oh, the possibilities, you know. Yeah.
1: And, you know, this is a child of the 60s, you know. This is the candidate who gets it. This is Mm. what we've been waiting for. And we didn't know it until we saw it, until we smelt it.
0: So... Fast forward to 12th July 1967, Nate Turpington's first day on the set, and he immediately identifies a problem that everyone else has missed up until now. The cast is unworkably large
1: right right o- over 900 people strong at this point so to say the production had become bloated would be an understatement
0: it was a drain on resources i mean uh, oh
1: e- economically non-viable right right right
0: Right, and it made storytelling very difficult they were just far too many character arcs to keep track of yeah e- even just the shooting day i mean
1: they would all show up at 7 a.m mm-hmm. for makeup and wardrobe and by the time they were all in costume and ready to roll three weeks had disappeared.
0: Right. And of course, all 900 actors had their foibles and Mm. their demands. Mm And, you know, you talk about the excesses of modern day Hollywood, Andy. (laughs) But back in those days, the stars would demand the most extravagant riders imaginable. Mm. Yes. Uh, One of the actresses, not even a leading lady, but a Florence Tamp. Uh Ah, Uh, she was insistent that she wouldn't work unless they brought her the tallest tree in the forest. Yes, yes, yes. And by God, they did. They did, but uh, they bring it to her. Oh, wrong forest. She'd say wrong forest, mm. you know, over and over and over. You know, uh, <laughs> they leveled entire tracts of woodland looking for the right tree for this woman, the Yeah. right tree that would induce her to say her three lines and get off. Or uh, another guy, uh, Trevor, he was just called Trevor. Yeah, uh, Trevor. Uh, really yep. marvellous actor, but, you know, he stipulated that he wouldn't work unless they also gave a part to his younger self.
1: Right, right, right. And they had teams of scientists working on this. There was a national program to accelerate time travel.
0: Well, no, the, pr- the problem was uh, they, they did actually track down his younger self. Oh. Uh, but, of course, uh, the younger Trevor, uh, mm. the, the younger one would have, you know, nothing to do with the older incarnation. Yeah, so, it was course. a standoff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually both of them had to be destroyed in a controlled explosion, I'm mm. afraid.
1: Both Trevors, yeah, because of the, yeah, yeah they, they didn't, didn't care for each other.
0: Right, right. It's not something that's talked about much, but it was perfectly within the BBC's rights. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it, it was perfectly legal. It, it was done to actors quite often back then.
0: I mean, it's not a contingency you want to have to exercise. Mm. No, no, no. But it's there. It's, it's there.
1: there, yeah, yeah. It's there for our own protection.
0: Right. You can't just do it on a whim, obviously. You'd have to go through the proper channels. You couldn't just blow up 900 actors <laughs> because they were an inconvenience, you know, uh, simply to start afresh. <laughs> and yet, yeah, Andy, mm. that's exactly what Turbington did do on that very first morning on the job. Amazing. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, one of the BBC's assistants ran into his boss's office and said, Nate blew up the show. He blew up the show. And, you know, the boss, the guy thought it was a metaphor. But no, he had literally blown up the show.
0: Yeah. And when the boss realized this, well, actually, his word was tremendous. Mm. We didn't think for a minute that he'd resort to this. This is the last thing we'd have agreed (laughs) to. But, you know, in a way, tremendous, Mm -hmm. tremendous. Yeah, tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. So that's one solution Turpington implements right off the bat. He really trimmed the fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe he trimmed a little too much fat because... Well, he trimmed he trimmed all the fat, And yeah. let's face it, uh, you know, because now we've got a show but no actors. Right. So another 900 actors were immediately hired. Yep. Which was quite short-sighted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, oh God, now we're back to square one. <laughs> you know, there's way too many actors again. Yeah, yeah. And of course, this
1: fresh crop all had their own demands and riders as of well. Course, you know. yeah. So how does yeah. Turpington solve this one?
0: Well, uh, a lesser director probably would have simply let a lot of them go. But then, you know, is that fair? Mm. Uh, these are real people with families, mm. with dependents. Yeah, with um, mouths to feed. Yeah, lives to live, exactly. But uh, Turpington just instantly chose to run them all over with horses. So, uh, mm. yeah, you yeah. know, really yeah. unorthodox, but... Probably much fairer in the long run. Quite, quite brilliant, yeah. And again, mm-hmm. this was reported
1: back to the boss, who again thought it was some sort of metaphor, you know. And uh-huh. When he found out that Turpington had actually run them over with horses, <laughs> his verdict was much the same as before.
0: Tremendous. 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 Yeah. Uh, so they bring in a third group of 900 actors?
1: A third group of 900 who, who all had their demands.
0: Yeah, yeah. Herbert Turpington had heard this song before. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, he didn't, he didn't hesitate. <laughs> He's almost having fun at this point. Right, right. He blows
0: some of them up.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he runs some of them over with horses.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the remainder, he just crushes with industrial machinery.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And this is again reported to the boss. Yep. Who couldn't even begin to mistake this <laughs> for a metaphor this time. I mean, he... Well, he just went straight to tremendous. He, he went right to tremendous. Yeah. So Nate Turpington has now purged almost 3,000 cast members. But one actress survives, the
0: enchanting Jane Kitchen. Jane Kitchen. And this was really her moment because uh, she was a young actress. She was ambitious. Uh, She had played only a very minor part in the show up until this point. Uh,
1: Oh, her character didn't even have a name. She was known only as the Reverend's daughter.
0: The Reverend's daughter, exactly so. But uh, simply through the expedient of having been able to outrun Turpington's murderous cavalry that morning, uh, where many others sadly could not, uh, Mm. she was the only one of the lot to survive the trampling. She was only partially trampled. Right. And she now finds herself thrust into the spotlight. You know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, For all intents and purposes, it's her show now. uh, You know, uh, how did she handle that, Andy? How did she rise to the challenge? Well, she didn't. Ah. Uh, she had to fill
1: an hour-long slot twice a week with no support. She was in way over her head, s- suffering severe PTSD, I should say. I mean, it was a mess.
0: Yeah, it was a shambles. The,
1: the writers had never liked the character. They, they did not mm. know how to write convincing women characters. They just mm. gave up on her. They just hung her out to dry.
0: Right, right. They refused to even write new scripts for her, actually. They said, you're on your own, Jim. Yeah, Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. And yet utterly compelling TV because, you know, here's what Turpington had perhaps been angling for all along. Mm, yeah. Because at long last, young people were finally starting to pay attention. Yeah. This
1: is what they had hungered for. This was fresh. Mm, this was mm. instinctively what Turpington knew they would love.
0: This was it. This was it. You know, kids who had turned on to so-called psychedelic albums like Help and uh, Gregory's exotic barbecue loved this. This complete disregard for narrative, the confusion, uh, the mystery. You know, the chaos of it. The reality of it. That's what they latched onto, I think. Um, the rawness, the authenticity. The the rejection of anything good. Exactly that. Uh, these hour-long, I suppose you call them uh, in the parlance of the times, happenings. Uh, uh, mm. These happenings featuring the reverend's daughter spoke directly and precisely to this generation of disaffected teenagers. They could not get enough of her. Well, she was a cipher. I mean, you could make of her what you wanted. Right. You could read anything you liked into her slightly trampled features and the kids thought this is brilliant this woman is just living her life that's what we've all got to do right 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 this tortured soul struggling in the
1: wilderness you know i mean Mm-mm. but who among us does know what to do who who does have a script
0: yeah well certainly not jane kitchen <laughs> Yeah, certainly not the reverend's daughter <laughs> right and I, I think that's the other thing they loved about her the name you know the reverend's daughter mm. here's a character that seems to have nothing to do with any establishment No family, no religion. The reverend's daughter is completely divorced from any of those stuffy old institutions, they
1: thought. Right, 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 right. No baggage. You know, it's a chance to start over. Let's go and and play in the fields with the monkeys and the the carpets.
0: Right, right. There was dancing in the streets. Uh, Pink Floyd formed specifically around their love of the character.
1: Uh, I believe that Pink Floyd's original name was, in fact, the reverend's daughter.
0: Right. I mean, Sid Barrett himself, who was at that point a 10-year-old rugrat yeah, with big yeah. ideas, he said, uh, he gave that quote, uh, she's what we've been waiting for, lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what started them off. They became the reverend's daughter. Uh, then soon after that, just reverend's daughter.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the pink reverend's daughter and then just pink reverend's right. daughter. And then finally.
0: Yeah they, yeah, they took a while to find their thing.
1: It took a while to figure it out. But I think it's safe mm. to say that they were very much marching to
0: Turpington's drum. You know, mm. Turpington had caught a wave. Well, I think he'd started the wave, actually, mm. a- and then caught it a- and then said, hello, do you want to get on my wave? You can, if you like. I, I think that was very much his, yeah, yeah, uh, his,
1: his call to arms. Exactly. Right. He- he'd squared the circle of the 60s, mm. I sometimes feel.
0: Yeah, I sometimes feel that too, Andy. I- I- even often, I-, I often feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a matter of months, he, he turned the whole ship around. He'd done it.
1: Yeah, he, he'd he done it. Yeah, up until yeah, that yeah. moment. The the decade really didn't have an identity.
0: And it still doesn't to this day. No, no. And I think th- that's
1: very much Turpington's legacy. He he gave the mm. 60s. He bestowed Mm-mm. on the 60s probably its most resonant... Yeah, lack of identity. L- lack of identity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and oh. it really was.
0: It was an amazing achievement. Yeah, yeah. What he didn't do, the, the, the legacy he... Did not bequeath us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, well sometimes yeah. it's the notes you don't play, you know? Like, they sometimes call it the decade of jazz. Yep, the decade of olive oil. Yeah, the decade that hid in the dark, it's sometimes called.
0: Yep, yeah, the, the squelchy decade sometimes, I've heard.
1: Yeah, I hear it all the time, yeah. But look, folks... Whatever else you can say about the 60s, it was a decade. Mm. And, and, and look, we've only just begun to scratch the surface of Nate Turpington and all that he did for the show during that era.
0: Yep. So uh, do tune in next time as we continue to scratch that surface.
1: Yeah, yeah. we will. We might not necessarily go deeper, but <laughs> we will scuff it up a little. You know, that's for sure. So that's our promise.
0: Nate Turpington, you're in for a further scuffing me, old son.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Up next on the Tumblr's Willie podcast,
0: part two
1: of the Turpington Tapes, where we explore Nate Turpington's somewhat fraught creative partnership with another huge name of the 60s, a certain bunch of likely lads from a certain well-known dockside town in the north of England. I think
0: you'd be pretty surprised when you find out. Well, it's the who... be- is it the Beatles, well, Andy? Yeah. Well, why not just say The Beatles, you old showman? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just say it, Andy. See you uh, next time, tumbleheads. This guy, this guy. <laughs> bye. A <Avenue>. <clears throat>
1: a podcast network.